Welcome to the Bounty Zero X podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Adam, founder and CEO of Bounty Zero X. Bounty Zero X is a decentralized bounty hunting network powered by the BNTY token. So today is January 9th, 2019, and my guest on the show is uh, Stephen Marinek, CEO of Vias. Um, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on, Steve. Thank you. I appreciate you uh, asking us to be on here, uh, Angelo. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, so Steve is founder and CEO of Vias. Steve is an investor, entrepreneur, and philanthropist. He has over 30 years of experience in the construction field. After investing in uh, successful ICOs, he came up with the idea for Vias. Uh, he initiated the process after finding the perfect blockchain to build it on, which is Tezos. Um, Vias connects funders and borrowers around the world on the decentralized Tezos blockchain. It's a decentralized application bridging the gap between lenders and borrowers for fiat and digital currencies. Can you give me a brief overview of what uh, the Vias platform is being created to do? Well, initially the thought uh, I had, Angelo, um, because I have a portfolio of uh, digital assets, was uh, that's... Uh, um, emerging technology uh, and uh, in my opinion one of the best technologies the world has ever seen uh, so n nobody really wanted to uh, uh, cash in their uh, their cryptocurrency if you will uh, to pay the bills um, so I, I especially me and i said well there's got to be a better way and it just popped in my head maybe we could um, use the uh, digital assets for collateral and uh, borrow on them and at that time, nobody had invented anything to to facilitate that. So um, that was actual the actual birth of uh, the Vias uh, uh, concept, and um, it it went on from there because um, uh, we thought uh, with the state of affairs in the world vis-a-vis -vis the uh, printing of uh, fiat currency by the central bankers, et cetera, et cetera, that we were all on shaky ground. Something was uh, um, emerging to perhaps um, blend the current banking system with something uh, that would make it a lot better uh, and would be, uh, in the end of the day, superior to what we have now. Um, you know, I've got a bit of a social conscience. It also, uh, in my mind, was uh, the fact that, um, and I've heard different numbers, but it uh, seems about 3 billion people are unbanked in this world. And I would ask people, can you imagine what the world would be like for you if you had no banking, no bank account? And nobody can really imagine that. And yet there's 3 billion people that have been frozen out of the economic system that we take for granted. So there's a better way. And uh, Vias is the better way. Tell me about your experience in the cryptocurrency space. Uh, how did you initially enter the space and get started in it and tell me some of your thoughts on the space uh, overall. Yeah, I got into it early, uh, probably about uh, 2013 with the uh, initial purchase of uh, uh, some uh, uh, Bitcoin um, and uh, it uh, I found it fascinating. I didn't invest in the greed thing. Um, that's wrong. Uh, that's um, what a lot of people do, and they're looking for 10x, 100x, 1,000x, whatever. Um, I invested in the technology, and uh, uh, Vitalik Buterin said it best uh, and, and on several occasions. And as you know, he's the founder of Ethereum, at least one of them. And uh, he counseled anybody who would listen 
uh, if you don't understand digital assets and if you're not prepared to work at understanding them, then uh, please, for goodness sakes, don't invest in this. And he was speaking about Ethereum when uh, Ethereum was just coming into being. And uh, so uh, he's a smart guy. And anybody smart is going to make every attempt and work at understanding the technology that's in front of them. You're not going to in invest in something that is just, you know, um, smoke and mirrors. So um, we started looking deeper and deeper into the technology and understanding it more and more. And just found it absolutely fascinating up until the point we proved concept. Uh, we uh, moved a little bit of loot around the world in about uh, 30 seconds, uh, not asking anybody for permission, et cetera. Um, that, looking back on it, um, that's probably what um, the fellow who's CEO of uh, Ripple did and realized what this new technology, among other things, could do. Um, and, uh, you know, he, of course, started uh, Ripple, and I believe they're second or third on the market cap in the digital asset community right now. So uh, real good technology. It will change the world. Uh, it's not going to happen overnight. But uh, recently, for instance, I met with a bank in Liechtenstein um, because we're negotiating um, uh, with uh, a number of those banks, fiat banks. They're actually uh, uh, fintech companies with banking licenses. That's what they like to call themselves. And uh, when I sat down with the uh, fellow at the bank in Liechtenstein, first words out of my mouth were, um, do you understand that uh, the market cap of the digital currencies don't reflect what's going on in the R&D section of it? And he said, no, of course not. And we both realized and we both knew there's billions of dollars um, being invested in the digital asset space right now. And there's always an elastic band effect. If you stretch out a weight on the end of elastic band and let it go, um, it's going to catch up with where it's attached to and go way beyond. And that's about to happen with the um, with the digital asset space. There's a lot of really sweet projects in the works right now, uh, Viaz being one of them. And the serious players are building utility into what they're what they're making, what they're creating. Viaz has done that. We want wanted nothing to do with a, a security token. Uh, so uh, you actually have to use the um, Viaz token uh, on the platform in order to be able to access the platform and its tremendous power. So most of the people in this space are younger folks and, uh, you know, they're interested in cryptocurrencies. And tell me a little bit about your background and your professional uh you know, career before I'm starting not, this? Yeah, the main thrust of what I've done has uh, um, been in uh, real estate, real estate, rehabbing uh, real estate, real estate development. Um, what I've, uh, what I picked up early on is the principles of business because I'm, I'm a builder, but I'm much more than I'm, I'm first and foremost a businessman. And uh, you realize from a business perspective, as I did early on in the uh, crypto space, uh, not a lot of business people in the, in the crypto space. Uh, you can really tell who is adept at business in the uh, digital asset space because they actually know what they're doing. Uh, I met a lot of brilliant um, people in the crypto space, um, but uh, they're not business people. And early on, I said, uh, in order to develop, this space doesn't necessarily need uh, um you know, the uh, the programmers, although they're essential to it, but you need someone to sort of steer the whole works. So I was um, uh, being a businessman. Uh, it was a bit of a no brainer. 
you kind of look at different products. For instance, uh, um, uh, developing a 50-story beautiful condo in downtown Dubai, uh, not much different really when it's all said and done um, when compared to what we've just done with Vias. You have to um, be able to um, pick a team, get everybody going in the same direction all at the same time. Um, You know, you can't really have anything to do with people with with big egos. And, you know, that's why I'm a little older in this. And we've been able to, for instance, the decision was made up front. Let's build something with utility that normal, ordinary people not only can use, but can benefit from. And we'll get into that later uh, with what we're working on on the on the Vios platform as to how that will benefit people. Uh, why don't we do it right now? Uh, normally, um, in America, for instance, there's uh, um, Bank of America comes to mind. Wells Fargo comes to mind. Uh, there's Deutsche Bank in Europe that comes to mind. Any major bank, pretty much um, anybody can put uh, savings and, and store it inside the bank. And the bank, those those banks, the uh, Bank of America in particular, Wells Fargo, um, they pay 0.01% on interest going into an account. If you get um, a term deposit and agree to um, leave your uh, loot in their bank for a year, for instance, I think it's three quarters of 1%. And the bank gathers up everybody's loot and then it lends everybody back their own loot. But it lends them back their loot, for instance, for a mortgage, let's say on average, it's 6%. So, uh, you know, that to me is very unfair because you've got a huge amount. Naturally, the bank does certain things for all those people who they take their savings from. They securely store, or at least that's what everybody thinks, their wealth. They um, adjudicate the people coming to them for money to borrow money from them, to make loans from them. So they have credit ratings and on and on and on. It's all very, um, you know, convoluted, but uh, it works. But the biggest part about it is they make trillions and trillions of dollars for themselves and not a whole lot for the little guy. I'm of the complete opposite way of thinking. I'm here to help the little guy, to help people who are normally ignored. Ergo, what I spoke about earlier, those three billion people who um, have no banks, you know, I'm not prepared to leave those people out. So we wanted something that would help everybody, not just a few. And the banking paradigm as it exists today helps a few literally at the expense of a lot of people at times. I'm sure that the bankers are nice fellows and nice women. They got good intentions. But the old saying is true, the um, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So we have a better mousetrap and a better way of, um, of uh, treating people. And um, uh, that's what we ran with, uh, with respect to Vias. Um, we can um, invite people to, in, a, in essence, what is a central marketplace. They come to the marketplace and work out deals with themselves. So the aforementioned 50-story condo project in downtown Dubai, Somebody needs maybe a, a, you know, 10, 15 million a floor for that building. So they can put all of their credentials on to the now decentralized platform, um, put what they want to build, put all the pro forma, the, all the uh, 
uh, things having to do with cash flow and, and what the profits are going to be, what the appreciation on the assets going to be over time, and how much is construction cost going to cost. And everybody can look at that. And the developer in that case, the real estate developer, and that's my background, and that's why I know about this stuff. Uh, the developer can say, all right, uh, normally I'd have to do this, and I'd have to get three or four different banks all together. I'll just go to the world. And uh, I may seem like I'm diverging for a moment, but let's picture a guy who works in the diamond mines in South Africa, and he works really hard, 12-hour day. Now, how it used to be and how it still is, he'd get his salary after the week, and then he'd have the indignity of standing in the hot sun outside of Western Union with all the other people so he could wire what he made or a portion of it at a cost of about 17% in some cases to his family, two countries over, so they could go and buy groceries and, and eat and then go back to work in the diamond mines. So what we envision at Vioz is a guy has a smartphone, because as you know, um, Siren Labs is working on a device called the Finney, which allows you to store your wealth offline in that device. Um, it, it um, you know, it's a really neat device, and they're working with, uh, from what I understand, the second largest cell phone developer and builder in um, the world, and they're out of Brazil, and they actually um, are on target, from what I understand. So here's this guy who's all sweaty and everything, gets out of the diamond mines, he's in the hot sun, used to have to give 17% of his uh, loot away, you know, work a whole year and, and give 17%. That was just what Western Union charges. They're the remittance company that Ripple, for instance, is uh, going head to head with. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, the guy can look on his cell phone and he finds, oh, here's a really neat deal in Dubai. And this guy is offering 7%. So not only do I not have to pay the 17% that I normally would have, but I can take that 17% that I pay to Western Union and I can just go into my telephone onto Visa, Vios, into my smartphone and I can invest in this project in Dubai. And the 7% is only the beginning of it because, again, he doesn't have to pay the 17% or whatever is 10% or 15% to Western Union. But now he can actually move immediately into a position where he can start saving some wealth and get a leg up because those people are really poor. Three billion people in the world don't have a bank. So now they can have a bank. So what we've done is uh, build this platform. Now, another thing, we use Tezos for a number of reasons. Um, number one, it's the most, arguably the most secure financial platform blockchain uh, technology in the world. Number two, uh, they have a thing called proof of stake, um, which is very different from proof of work with all those computers. They're using up energy and everything, and they uh, pay a dividend on if you if you um, use their proof of stake platform, that dividend is currently running in excess of 10%. In other words, you you put your Tezos up and stake it, and you bake it, you get 10% uh, plus more tokens at the end of a baking cycle. So uh, <clears throat> now you add that. Because uh, Vias is going to become the biggest baker in the world. And you heard that first here. Uh, anybody who uses the platform will use Tezos. That's one of the coins that, for instance, can invest in the ICO. Um, they will um, use the Tezos coin 
we'll use it, we'll bake it for them. They'll get the lion's share, probably 90% of that or 85%. So that leaves them with about 85% of what, in essence, at this point is in excess of 10%. So let's round it off and downwards to 8%. So you put what the developer offers people, 7%, with another 8%. Because if they use Tezos, that's the dividend that we'll give them by using the Tezos on the platform. So now we're at 15%. So you can already see without going into further details, because there's other ways that a developer can induce people from around the world to invest in his project. I'll cover the third one real quick. The third uh, way that somebody um, can be rewarded for investing in a development or a project around the world, um, and it could be a, a hydroelectric dam that uh, that a country is going to build, and they need so many billions of dollars to do it. But the third way is, uh, let's say that developer in downtown Dubai is building that 50-story tower. That tower is going to appreciate over time. And let's say, you know, because Dubai is a bit of an outlier. Uh, it's accelerating. It's um, it's appreciating its real estate far greater than anywhere else in the world right now. Um, average place, maybe Miami Beach, for instance, goes up 10%. You buy a house and um, you, you um, can expect about a 10% appreciation every year. In other words, traditionally, homes are a good example. They've doubled in value every 10 years. So a developer wants to further induce people from around the world who are now getting, uh, say, three quarters of 1% on a term deposit into switching to what is, in essence, a world bank, a community, a decentralized platform um, how do you get people's mind wrapped around the fact that it's safer and more secure on top of the Tezos blockchain than it is in the traditional technology that banks use? Well, you, you have to induce them, and you have to induce them with a higher rate of return. So why don't uh, if I'm a developer and I really want my project to move forward, I might say to everybody, listen, I'm also going to throw in half of the appreciated value of this piece of property over time. So I'm going to give an additional 5%. So what are we up to now? We're closing in on 20%. This is to, to give the little guy a helping hand because the way cryptocurrency works, the way digital assets work, you can move money around the world um, for, you know, in essence, what is nothing. And, you, you know, you can put it into investments for nothing. You can move it into wallets, et cetera. So uh, this all in... Um, is a method to redistribute wealth from the ultra, ultra rich into the hands of a lot more people. And believe me, um, I know this for a fact. If you don't have a middle class in any given society, it won't be too long before that society starts to cave in on itself. It, it, all the other models throughout history have proved unsustainable. So we're not talking about socialism here or anything like that, but I believe in my heart of hearts, that we should have a level playing field. If somebody wants to play by the rules, there has to be avenues that they can get out of poverty. Poverty is not a good thing. It breeds crime and, and you know, breeds unrest and upheaval. You know, the world is full of examples like that. But if you have avenues that are fair, that people can use, good, hardworking people who want to get a leg up in life, you know, Vias is the beginning of that. And, uh, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that the whole team on Vias believes in. Mm -hmm.
So when you decided to start working on this idea with your team, uh, what were some of the steps that you took to put the team together? And um, tell me where you are now in terms of development of the platform and what features are currently in progress. I'll tell you a story that's really, really cool. Uh, uh, TJ, one of my guys, one of the most talented gentlemen I've ever met in my life, um, and I um, needed a location for going to work on the white paper. So uh, we picked uh, um, uh, Miami Beach. Uh, we were going down to Miami Beach, and uh, we uh, stopped in to visit a couple of friends of ours who were doing some insurance adjusting in Florida, just outside of Atlanta, in a rather poor community. So there was uh, uh, last night we were there because we stayed a few days and visited with uh, these guys. And uh, um, I said, come on, guys, I'll take you out to Applebee's. So we went out to Applebee's the last night we were there. And this lovely young lady comes up. She's 19 years old, as innocent as the driven snow. And she's all bubbling. She says, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm going to be your waitress tonight. So uh, I said, OK, that's great. Uh, I got to tell you something, though. You're serving four guys from the Bible. I'm Stephen, and this guy over here is Peter, and um, uh, this guy is James, and this guy is TJ, to gender, and he's actually the illegitimate son of Jesus Christ. And everybody had a good laugh. Everybody thought it was great humorous. At the end of the whole thing, we were getting the bill. I said, can you bring me the bill to, the, to this lovely waitress? And she is bringing the bill around, and I said, man, hang on a second. I could use one more cold beer. Can you bring me one more? I'm sorry. And she said, yeah, that's no problem. She crumpled up that bill and she comes back to the table and she's looking at this uh, chit, the bill, and she's un she's nonplussed. And she goes, I can't believe this. I've never seen this before in my life, uh, even though she wasn't that old. But uh, I said, what? What's wrong? And she goes, nothing's wrong. But this bill is $111.11. Now, numbers mean something to me. Um, nobody else can, very few other people understand how powerful that is. So there's these five ones. And I said, man, uh, I got a wonderful opportunity here because I got to leave you a tip and I can't break the cycle. If you know how powerful these ones are all lined up one after the other, that's amazing. And she looked at me and tears started welping her eyes. And I said, you guessed it. You won a little bit of a lottery. So I added a, a one to it and I left her a thousand dollar tip and everybody at the table was kind of like stunned. And, uh, I looked at TJ who was coming down to Florida with me and I said, TJ, this means something. You watch what's going to happen in the next few days. So we located a suitable place on Miami beach and we went down there and, uh, uh I said, TJ, we're going to need someone to write on, um, a really interesting computer language called OCaml. And Mike Mickelson is the compiling language on top of it. I want you to put ads wherever you can, where you think that we might get a hold of somebody that can do this. So he did. And within about an hour of posting that ad, we got a cryptic reply to that ad. And all it was was a one liner. And that said, I think I might be able to help you guys. And I said, TJ, get a hold of that guy and find out where in the world he is. And tell him I want to go and meet him because I want to look the guy in the eye. So uh, in the next day or two, he arranged the phone call. And it was Stephen Andrews, probably the most brilliant programmer in the world for what he does. I didn't know that at the time. But I found out he was from uh, New Zealand. 
And I said, all right, I want to meet you. And he said, well, when? I think this was on the Tuesday or something. I said, well, I think I can get a flight out of Miami in the next couple of days. I said, how's Saturday sound? And he was sort of stunned. It happened. He knocked on the door of the Airbnb I was staying in, and I opened up. He said, I, I, I really didn't believe it. I didn't think you'd be on the other side of this door. And I said, well, believe it. And I'm here, and I'm as serious as a heart attack. So I, I met his family, the most lovely family in the world. He's got five beautiful children. His wife, Catherine, is just absolutely amazing. And um, uh, we got to know each other a little bit. We were sitting on the beach uh, near the time I was leaving, and we hadn't cut a deal yet. And uh, uh, we're sitting there, and Stephen's staring out on the ocean. Beautiful day in uh, beautiful Taranga, New Zealand. And um, I, I said, well, what do you think, Stephen? He goes, well, I was kind of making a waiting for an offer from Arthur Brightman. And I go, well, you know, I'm never going to tell you what to do. And I'd be careful of people who try and do that. But, uh, you know, there's a couple of things here that should not be lost on you. Number one, I don't think Arthur would come halfway around the world to meet you and your family. And he's looking out across the ocean. He goes, no, no, Arthur wouldn't do that. He didn't do that. And uh, then the, it, a silence fell upon us. And the kids are playing on the sand on the beach. And Catherine is there. Um, Stephen says very wistfully, and Arthur wouldn't come onto the beach to play with my kids either. Mm. And I said, no, he wouldn't. And I'm a, I'm a humanist, so I believe in people, and I believe in the goodness of people. So he turned to me, and much to my delight, extended his hand and smiled, a beautiful smile. And he said, I think we got a deal. So that is how you have to put a team together. And I never hire anybody who I don't spend some time with and look them in the eye. Because, you know, it pays huge dividends when you get people involved who, yeah, you got to make a paycheck at the end of the day. And you can make a damn good paycheck in this uh, space. But, you know, all the money in the world is no good to you. You know, just like I did at the Applebee's restaurant, what the hell good is all the loot in the world if you can't share it? And I'll tell you one thing. I looked at that girl and I said, you got somebody in your family that needs some help this uh, this uh, Thanksgiving and this Christmas? Because it was a couple of days before Thanksgiving and she, tears were in her eyes. And she said, yeah, I got somebody in trouble in my family. I said, well, make sure they have a good um, a really excellent Thanksgiving, buy him a huge turkey and go ahead and get another big turkey and a ham at Christmas and do it up right. I said, now you can afford it. And that was a really poor place. And, and places in America um, are feeling the pinch right now. So anytime you can help somebody, and that's the whole philosophy behind Viads. I don't believe yeah. in a world where there's billionaires and there's people who are homeless sleeping in alcoves in the street like they do in San Francisco. So Silicon Valley guys have a conscience. God gave you a lot. It's time to start giving back. Um, yeah, you know. that's a great story. So you guys decided to build your platform on Tezos, and you're going to be one of the first uh, the applications. First, the first, the first major application, and it is a major application. Uh, somebody said, "Well, it's not major until you get users." But we know how to monetize the platform. It is a utility token, and we absolutely know how to monetize the platform. So we anticipate, uh, I would go, and you can, you know, they're going to play this podcast back 36 from, uh, months from now. We will have this platform monetized within 36 months. So when you were deciding which platform to build uh, the, the application on, there's, you know, a lot of different platforms, and they'll have pros and cons, and was there some 
uh, you know, particular, was it based on the technical basis that made you decide to go with Tezos or was it, a, you know, there's, there's a staking component that you mentioned that is a feature on the Tezos platform that increases the, the uh, dividend rates for those who stake the tokens. What what was the most important factor if there was one? You know, Stefan, Stephen, your CTO, he's the uh, one of the community developers at Tezos. Was that mm-hmm. another fact? What were some of the main, if there is one, of uh, 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 the most important factor you think that led you to build it on Tezos? A chain is only as strong as its weakest link, uh, Angelo. And um, it's all things, I weight all things equally, because even something that is seemingly insignificant can take everything down if it fails. So uh, everything you mentioned and more, from a, from a business point of view, just being street smart, I looked at Tezos and I said, uh, it was going through a lot of uh, problems at the time. And I, I uh, said, you know, clearly uh, there's a lot of amateurs involved in Tezos. And God bless the uh, founder, uh, founders. Um, um, but you could tell from the footprints they were leaving that some really bad business decisions had been made. And uh, I won't get in that uh, into that so much other than... Uh, the whole Swiss foundation thing was flawed from the beginning. Uh, now I think it's back on track, but um, other- they had some issues with like the SEC or the uh, a lawsuit or something. I'm not really familiar with that, but I, was there some issues, some legal issues that they had? Yeah, they got them all straightened out now. Uh, they're on track. So uh, basically, I won't get into my personal feelings regarding all that, but uh, I was just going to explain to you uh, one of the elements of our decision. Uh, and that was from a street smart point of view. Uh, they were in trouble. And a lot of people, the skinny on the street was uh, these guys might not make it. Um, and, uh, you know, that was kind of ridiculous because when you garner $232 million in your ICO and then it turns into over a billion with the emerging market, I think they got a capitalization of around $500 million now because the market fell a little bit. I hope they learned how to tether it. Um, but uh, we looked at it and said uh, – this is wonderful. There's a bunch of uh, negativity about Tezos and people think it's going to fail and they don't know what they're doing. And people were angry and they and they didn't, weren't able to issue their tokens and on and on and on. I said, that's the one, because not only is it uh, the most financially robust technology in the world, um, wonderful uh, technology, um, but everybody thinks it's going to fail. So we're going to build on it. And I said, uh, you know, that's my philosophy um, that I put loot into something and I, I uh, really don't care. I make a decision up front and then it's damn the torpedoes because once you commit, you commit. And um, I said, if if I'm betting right, Tesos will succeed. And if that happens, if we start building on it now, we're going to have a six month head start on everybody else because we're going to program it. Because uh, we got the the most amazing programmer in the world, Stephen Andrews. Um, he's I can't say enough about Stephen. Just absolute genius, uh, and a wonderful, wonderful human being. Um, and I said, if we do this, naturally it's going to cost more because every time uh, Tezos did an upgrade, we had to change our programs, and Stephen had to do upgrades with the team. Because uh, there's more people in, involved than just Stephen. There's other programmers, and, and you know. Uh, um, we can't get into all of that at this point. But I said, if we come out victorious at the end of this and we gamble on this, and it's not a gamble to me because all it is is loot. 
and you win some, you lose some, you break even on most as an investor. So uh, this was a, a, a fascinating thing to bet on, um, and it was a very educated guess. And sure enough, they did upgrades, upgrades, and all that. And we kept writing and writing and writing. So we're first out. We got everything complete. We actually have done the impossible. We've got a working prototype on top of Tesos, you know, and it's and it works and it works beautifully. It looks fantastic. We we believe we made it fairly user friendly. This is the first iteration, but it's just wonderful. Everybody else is way behind us because nobody wants to make that commitment up front. Nobody had faith in Tesos. I'll tell you the truth, I read up about Arthur Brightman and then his lovely wife, Catherine. You know, I said, these guys, these kids are going to get it done. They're, they're all right. Uh, you know, they, there's, there's problems there, but they're going to get it done. And um, I guess I was right, because now we got it, and we're going to show it to the world um, in South Korea. We're going to demonstrate it to the world. The, the mayor of Seoul, Korea is coming out. They got all the dignitaries coming out. Arthur's going to be there. I've never met him. I look forward to meeting him. Uh, you know, uh, some of the best programmers in the world. There's going to be well over 100 people in Seoul on the 26th of January. Uh, so we're all going over there. We're going to have a good time. We're going to do our thing and show everybody what we got, uh, what we had the faith in Tezos to do. We have accomplished that. And why are we going there? Because we had the temerity to bet on Tezos. And we, we came up, we won. And now we're the first with a working protocol, and it's huge. It really is huge. And now yeah. we, get to, we get to show it to the world. Nobody else had the guts to do that. We had the guts to do that. So to the victor go the spoils. They invited us to be keynote speakers. As far as I know, we're the only people. Stephen is so good that he's worked on Tezbox. So Tezos wants him to speak as a keynote speaker. And then a little later, he's going to speak with me. Um, about Vios. So as far as I know, we're the only two people who got uh, two slots in there. Everybody mm -hmm. else has one. I guess they got half of what we got. <laughs> so uh, the big unveiling is January 26. And when did you guys start uh, programming and, uh, you know, start, you know, working on the uh, the implementation of the of the application? December 16th. It was nine days before Christmas. And uh, Stephen and I were sitting out in a beautiful outdoor cafe. Temperature was about 80 degrees out there in Taranga. It was on the main street in that beautiful city, one of the most beautiful little communities I've been to in the world. And I said, Stephen, we'll start January 1st. Mm -hmm. And Stephen, you know, wasn't lost on me, and, but I was just talking ahead of myself and I wasn't thinking. And he was sitting at the table and then I, I, I caught a flash of something in his eyes. He said, okay. And I said, my goodness, am I crazy? Am I stupid? I said, it's nine days before Christmas. You got five children. I said, I'll tell you what, we're going to start right now. And I got on the phone to um, my uh, second, one of my seconds, uh, Keith, another wonderful um, human being and an amazingly talented guy, a genius in my opinion. See, I'm the dumbest guy in the room. All the guys are way better than I am. And uh, that's the way you have to do it. <laughs> so I, I said, uh, got, got Keith on the phone. He's out of California. And I said, Keith, we're going to get going right now. And uh, I said, Stephen, you're not going to start till January 1st because you got to get through Christmas and New Year's and everything like that. Start the first week in January, but I'm going to pay you right now. I said, Keith, uh, Stephen's going to give you his uh, um, a wallet and his uh, key or whatever it is. And, and you send him X amount and we'll get going on this thing. So mm -hmm. We spent another five minutes and we were finishing up and we get up to go. And I said, OK, Stephen, uh, 
This is great. I said it's tremendous. We're going to make history with this thing. Uh, let's get together tonight at a microbrewery. We'll have another a nice couple of brewskis, and it's all great. And he kind of looked at me and said, uh, well, because I, I, I said to him, you know, it's Christmas. you got to buy your kids, and, and you know, the, if you don't have enough money at Christmas, you're, I feel for everybody in that situation. So we did this thing, and, and he says to me, he turns to me, he says, uh, you think that's going to get to me in the next few days? I said, next few days? Hell, we're dealing with digital assets here. I said, it should be in any minute. Why don't you text me when you get it? So we shook hands, and he walked down the road, and about uh, 90 seconds later, he texts me and says, thanks, man. I got it. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's what you can do with this technology from around the world in a couple of minutes. You know, can you imagine? You know, let me tell you this, um, Angelo. If you had a, a, a system set up like we're going to have and like Ripple has, and, and with the with the with the blockchain technology and this new new technology, and someone came to you, and that's all we had. We had we all we had with the digital assets, everything, all the infrastructure set up. We developed that first, and then someone came to you and said, "I got a great idea. We're going to call it a bank." And everybody can put their money in the bank from all over the place, and we'll give them like less than 1% interest. And we, when we collect all their money, we'll lend it back out to them for like 7 or 8%. And when they come into us, we'll charge them onerous fees. And if they want to move their money around the world, we'll charge them like 40 or 50 or $75, and they're going to have to wait like two weeks, and it'll get lost and everything. And sometimes the, you know, it won't work. Sometimes it will work. We'll treat them like yesterday's garbage when they come in. Cause they all got to, you know, bow down to us because we'll get them all in debt. And then they have to worship the ground we walk on. Have you ever been in a branch of a bank? Doesn't it sound like a funeral? You walk yeah. in there and everybody's looking down at the ground and they're all quiet and they're really careful of what they say to these bankers and everything. You know, I've never been in debt in my life, Angelo, ever, never borrowed a dime from anybody. So I've never known that way of life, but I know the way out of that way of life for a lot of people. And given half the chance and the way out, I think there's a lot of people who are really good in their hearts and they'll take that way out. And um, I think we, um, we're we on our way with a platform like Vios. It's going to do everything a bank and insurance company and everything can do and a whole lot more. We'll have the, the uh, uh, remittance and transmittance involved with that. We got great plans for Vias, and we have the will to do it. Um, I think in five years, we'll come back, and uh, I don't think too many people will believe what we've accomplished in five years. Look at what we got now. A year, year and a half ago, everybody's putting out these ICOs, and what did they have? Nothing. I took a half a glance at them, and I said, are they crazy? They're just flim-flamming people, because where are they going to get the labor? Where are they going to get the coders for this? None of these ideas are going to work. Ninety Over 95% of these things are going to fail. You know, I could see that at a glance. And I said, that's because there's no business people in this space right now. It needs a blending of business people, of programmers, you know, of financial people. And we got them all at, uh, at Vios. That, that was what I had in mind in my vision over the next 10 or 15 years. And I planted those seeds now. We got people from all the different sectors, and we got, in my opinion, our team as uh, some people interesting enough to said the team's weak, you know, and I said, well, tell me how it's weak. We've accomplished more than anyone else has accomplished in the time that we've been at it. So how does that make the team weak? Well, I guess we don't have all those fancy letters behind us and everything, but I know Stephen Andrews wrote his first app when he was five years old, and I know what I've done in this life. 
not too many people can hold a candle in the wind to my accomplishments. I just don't want to brag about them. I don't want the whole world to know about them. I'm kind of a private guy. So uh, you talked me into this podcast, and good on you. Not not many other people are going to be able to do that. Yeah, so, well, it's a great pleasure to have you on and uh, to hear about the little bit of the backstory that's not available just on the website for people to hear about the history of the project and um, some of the people working on it. And um, I think that's uh, always adds a lot of value to, uh, to know. Um, sure. So maybe we can uh, change topics. Uh, we sure. talked about uh, the upcoming announcement and the, uh, how the project started and some of your background. Um, so tell, tell me a little bit about the, the market validation that you've done um, on um, a decentralized lending platform. Uh, so there's some other company, companies in the cryptocurrency space that are lending out crypto. There's like a handful that I know of that are centralized lenders that lend out cryptocurrency, US dollars or crypto with ETH as collateral or some other cryptocurrency as collateral, which is similar right. to what you guys are working on. But you guys have... have have a platform that's a, a more peer-to-peer -peer architecture, which is. Uh, I got I, I, I to correct you in there because, uh, yeah. for instance, uh, cool. uh, remember I told you that we had a. Um, we've got a marketing plan. We know how to do this. Uh, for instance, one of the ways um, you have individuals in this world who are licensed, who are who have the uh, pedigrees, and uh, the government oversees them. And they handle other people's loot, usually other other people who have uh, quite a bit of loot, and they're the the custodians. So you know, I'm involved in some of that, and uh, they um, they offer a sort of a standard 10% return, and everybody seems to that seems to be acceptable rate of return. Um, among other um, uh, thrust into the market, we will go and talk to those custodians, and we'll lay out what we have. And then as a result of their bringing them up to an understanding of what we have, uh, they'll invite their clients uh, to to have a look at it, a serious look at it. And we can offer a higher return they're not, and, and it's more secure on the Tezos platform. Um, then they're going to jump ship from the from a lot of the tra traditional investments. Um, you know, there's uh, many people who feel that the traditional investments um are, uh, their days are numbered, and I think so too. I think you're watching a changing of the guard, technologically speaking, in the world today. And a lot of things that were very valuable 50 years ago are not so valuable now when compared to the new technology that the world is is experiencing. So that's just one of the ways, one of the many ways. And that's not so much a peer-to-peer -peer thing, although it's one-on-one. -on -one. But any business is always one-on-one. -on -one. If I want to, um, um, you know, build that aforementioned 50-story uh, tower in Dubai, all it is is a series of six or eight or ten meetings over the course of, you know, 20 or 30 hours. And don't let anybody else tell you that it's, it's, you know, any more complica complicated than that because it's not. And then you either seal the deal or you don't. And then you 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 sort of lob it on to the support staff and they mop up and they do all the details. But any any big uh, venture, any big project in the world, any big technology, um, it's um, you know it's not that complicated. Uh, 
you, somebody has to get on that airplane and fly halfway around the world on a wing and a prayer and go and see somebody for a couple of days. But if you do it and it turns out okay, then it gets done. So it's not that big of a deal. So you can talk to a CEO, for instance, of an institution that represents um, maybe 100,000 investors. And if he gives it the nod, and, and that's coming, all the regulations and all the securities. What have you done in terms of the regulatory uh, you know, research and due diligence that, that have you found any regulations that need to be met to, I mean, do you need like a banking license as a company to have like a decentralized platform that people can use to lend money to each other? And uh, what have you seen from certain countries? Like, because every country has a equivalent, you know, uh, investor protection. Some agency like the SEC, some are more uh, hands-on than others. And sure. so what, what has been your experience with the, you know, regulatory challenges that, that are are involved with this, uh, you know, a platform that does provides this type of service to. Sure. Good question. Good question, and I want to address that. Um, I was uh, in Zug, Switzerland, uh, about uh, a month ago. Went to a uh, Tezos meetup uh, with the Tezos uh, Foundation. I don't think they knew who I was because they didn't treat me very well, but that's okay. <laughs> that's another story. Uh, at one point in time, uh, I was uh, standing, we were having a conversation, me and this other guy. I didn't know who he was. And uh, he said, well, have you um, um, considered uh, Switzerland and having your ICO in Switzerland? I said, yeah, for about a half a second. I said, are you kidding me? I said, Switzerland? There are a bunch of idiots here. Uh, and they got in bed with the United States, and now they have to answer to the United States, and it takes, what, 500 years to make a reputation, to create a good reputation, and they destroyed theirs in about two minutes when they turned off uh, over all those files of people who had the bank accounts with them. I said, why would I want to have anything to do with people like that? The Swiss are a bunch of liars, and they do everything for money. That's it. And I didn't realize it, but then he gave me his card in the end, and he was a Swiss regulator. And, I, and he asked me similar questions. I said, listen, you don't have to ask permission. It's a big world out there. And you go to where people think like you do, not where you have to conform and jump out of your skin and become something you're not comfortable with. Uh, I would advise everybody, be true to yourselves. We got, we we're domiciled in the Cayman Islands. And uh, for instance, we had to uh, conform to certain uh, KYC, AML, an anti-anti-terrorism um, AT um, um, screening, and I invited that because I don't, you know, I don't think those people are too cool who who get involved in crime and everything like that. So everybody has to be checked, and our protocol for doing that, as far as I know, is one of the more robust protocols in the world, and that's why we domiciled in the Cayman Islands. They're pretty good at this. Binance is um, uh, domiciled in the Cayman Islands. And uh, about, uh, from what I understand, somewhere nearing about 100 other ICOs took place there. And, and uh, not surprisingly, uh, from what I understand, most of those ICOs are the most successful ICOs in the world. And they actually have something that works. Binance um, is evidence of that. So uh, regulations and all that, are, are we're a marketplace where everybody can meet. We're not, uh, not going to get involved in the deals everybody's free to make their own deals. If, if you, for instance, walk down the street and you meet somebody and he says, hey, I'm pretty hard done by, uh, can you give me $5? Do you have to be regulated to tell him no? 
I, I can see that you're homeless and everything like that, but I'll tell you what, here's, here's $2. You've just negotiated. And as far as I know, all around the world, people do that uh, a billion times a day and more. And, and that's what this is about. People coming on there saying, I've got this idea for that 50-story tower. I need help with it. Um, you guys are getting screwed over now, all the people with the, the deposits, because the bank's giving you 0.1% on your savings. Uh, they don't even give some of you a bank account. We all know, even in the United States, um, the banks aren't profitable in the inner cities. They're closing down those branches. Everybody knows that. Not only that, they're closing down the schools. That should tell you a lot about who's running things. So, uh, no, uh, you know, any regulations we need, we're complying with them. Absolutely. And then some. But, you know, some of these guys uh, are just in it for the money. And I'll give you an example. Uh, a bank from the Cayman Islands got in touch with us because we have a fiat banking partner. We're working on a couple right now. Uh, and uh, these guys said, um, you know, we're interested in uh, becoming your fiat banking partner. And I said, okay, well, so we got on a, a teleconference call with them. And the guy asked me at one point in time, there were three of them. And one of the bankers asked me, uh, he was a compliance officer. He said, well, have you got any renderings from around the world? And I said, renderings, what are you talking about? He said, well, legal opinions. I said, legal opinions. I said, what from 150 different countries from 200 countries, you know, are you crazy? I said, number one, you know, that's going to cost me tens and tens of millions of dollars, but I'm not going to live that long, you know, to run around the world getting renderings. Are you crazy? He said, well, we can't, we can't be involved in banking. I said, no, you can't. If you want legal renderings, you know, and, and they're just renderings. They're just opinions. Lawyers will charge you buku dollars for an opinion. And that's just to open the door, go down that slippery slope. So then you can go to court. And you and you can, you know, go about the process and spend many, 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 many millions of dollars trying to prove what you knew to be right in the first place. So the answer to that is, you know, if you're going to run across that and we have and there are problems with the SEC, we're a utility token, but I'm, I don't have years and 10 million dollars to prove it. I mean, that's not the way you do business. So what you do instead, you go to the front of the line and say, sorry, guys, you can't be a part of this. And it's not a surprise, for instance, where we're going and, and we got invited to. And I look forward to meeting the esteemed mayor of, um, of Seoul, Korea and other dignitaries because I want to talk to him. And they've invited us. Is it any surprise that they're at the, the leading, they're at the tip of the spear? They're the leading people in the world as far as that technology is concerned. You know that uh, the Korea, South Korea per capita has the highest participation in digital asset space of anybody in the world. Somebody estimated that America is now about five years behind them when it comes to digital assets. And that's because they're just trying to figure out how do we get richer off this? How do we make our, our people and the people we represent, the rich white folks, even richer? And that doesn't work for me. So we, we won't go. And, and unfortunately, in the beginning of this, later on, They'll join. But in the beginning, we got to go with the people who embrace us. The Cayman Islands have been wonderful. Uh, you know, other people on the team, because they're part of the team. We got one of the best law firms in the world down there working with us. And um, uh, so I, I hope that addresses your question. We, we definitely are, are going uh, way beyond the standard uh, in the world right now. We, we're going way beyond banking. I don't know. 
there's just there's a higher standard, um, for instance, offshore than there is onshore for things like KYC and AML and, and AT and um, knowing your customer, who, who that person is. Uh, just just wonderful people to work with. Wonderful. And uh, it seems like in other jurisdictions where the bureaucracy reigns supreme, everybody gets paid and they don't get paid anything. Um, if but they do get paid a lot of money for getting in your way and telling you what you cannot do. We're, we're, we're not thinking that way, uh, Angelo. We always thinking, how can we do this? And if we, and if we run across a bureaucracy that is specifically designed to stop us from making this world a better place, from doing some good, um, from, from, from making it more equal for everybody to at least gain access that's all we want. We don't want a preferential treatment. We're not socialists. We're capitalists through and through, but make it a level playing field. So if you get a good education, if you work hard, if you play by the rules, but don't make these rules which actually inhibit you from going farther in life and get in your way. Don't make rules to reinforce the status quo. And it seems like um, there are certain governments around the world um, that that do that. Um, mm. You know, and and you and and I say you got to be street smart. I went to see the uh, prime minister of uh, of Malta not too long ago, and uh, you know I got shunted around and I got lied to and everything. And you go, you guys want to really? You're advertising in the world press that you want to be the crypto capital of the world. Good luck with that. Let's see your actions. They speak a lot louder than your words. So uh, if anybody's listening to this podcast, probably not a good idea to go to Malta. <laughs> Uh, why, well, how come? Well, they lied to me, and they said they were tabling laws and everything like that, but it was all very self-serving. Um, and and I, I won't get into the details, but um, pretty much a system where you, whereby if you want to get anything done, you got to pay people in positions of power. And uh, God bless Chao Zenping. I guess he got to the right people. Uh, I don't know if he's setting up in uh, Malta still. He promised them some uh, employment. But um, yeah. you know, was they doing you, like a crypto bank in in Malta? Is that well, really you know, finance? I, I I saw that bank and 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 uh, you know who now announced that they're going to get involved in it, and they lied to me at the time. And they strung me along in a bunch of emails, and I just said, "No, I'll never go back." You got one chance to make a first impression, and we certainly don't have to go around the world begging to do business with people. We're bringing the employment, we're bringing the business, and um, you know. There has to be a mutual respect for anything at work. It's like you and I talking to each other. There has to be a mutual respect. And, and I got to commend you. There has been. And it's tremendous uh, doing this interview with you, Angelo. Yeah, I also want to be respectful of your time. We've been uh, talking for an hour and we appreciate the time you've uh, given us today to talk about Vias. And we'd love to have you on again uh, because we didn't really get into too much detail about the features and the details of the platform. Uh, but maybe after you guys have your uh, January 26th launch of the platform, uh, we can have another podcast where, um, you know, we can talk about how that went and talk about the platform after it has launched and some of the features and dig into some of the technical details. Maybe we can have Steven on to talk about, you know, some of the upcoming features and um, other components of, uh, you know, the the details of how the platform is going to work and what the user experience will be like for uh, users when they sign up and um, what they can do on the platform. 
Well, let's make it happen. And that's a very gracious uh, entreaty that you just made. Like I say, I can't stress enough to you, Angela, the team we got is just amazing. The guys that I've had the absolute privilege of working with, Newman, you're one of them, TJ, you're another one. Uh, I just wake up some mornings and just shake my head. And I said, man, uh, I must have done something really good in the previous life to be uh, given this kind of life. <laughs> yeah. And, and it is about the people you hang around with. So um, uh, yeah. it's, it's been the, the coolest, most amazing thing that we've done. And uh, these guys can tell you more than I, because um, you never know. They might say what in front of me something different than they say to you. But everybody, everybody definitely, uh, from what I can pick up, they all want to keep doing this. And they're, mm -hmm. they're really excited about it and really engaged in it. And uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful project to be working on. And we can end up doing a lot of good if we succeed on this project. So we're going to give it our damnedest and we're, we're going to leave no stone unturned, as I always say. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, a pleasure to talk to you and learn more about the, the platform. Uh, we've had a lot of guests on the show talk about their new technology and their new, uh, you know, application. Um, so it's always good to hear about the product and my guest on the show today has been uh, Steve. Uh, Steve is the CEO of uh, Vias. Steve Marinek, CEO of Vias. It's a pleasure having you on. We uh, look forward to uh, hearing from you soon. Thank you, Angelo. And the best to you and your family in this new year. Uh, God bless you, sir. Thanks. Bye. All right. Peace out. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bounty Zero X podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast below. Check out BountyZeroX.io, the number one bounty hunting platform where you can complete work and earn cryptocurrency. Please consult your professional financial investment and tax advisors before making any investment in initial coin offerings. Bounty Zero X does not provide investment or financial advice and does not endorse or recommend investment in any ICOs advertised on the Bounty Zero X podcast or website.